Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now, new plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now, 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. Hey, we're back. We're taking your garden questions on this station we call Legends 810. And our phone number that two people listen to us and actually called in is 303-477-2473. Let's go out and say good morning to Ann in Lakewood. What's going on, Ann? Well, about a month ago, I planted some narcissus. Uh-huh. And the area where I planted them, face it, I mean, it was covered by rocks. So it was tough getting them in, but I thought I went deep enough. And they're planted where I get the sun in the morning, and I'm basically all day a lot of sun. And I notice little things are starting to come up. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? Just let it go, or do I put some uh, compost over them? Or I don't know what to do. Just let them go? Yeah, you can, well, you want to keep them well watered. Because narcissists okay. do like moisture, especially during the winter. Okay. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised that they're, I've got some narcissists that are already up as well. And I, I refer to them as the, the foliage is monitoring what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But there's not much you can do about it. I don't know. Jim, would you cover them no, with mulch or anything? I wouldn't. No. No. You're on your own, guys. Okay. Yeah, just right. keep them watered. That's the best thing. Water. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yeah. All right. Because I, I love seeing their little heads poke out, but I don't want them up and dead and have nothing in the spring. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Bye bye. Have. A- yeah. They. You know, those bulbs have been doing this stuff for millions of years, without our interference, by yep. the way. And they worked it out. They have. Yeah. Although they don't, they they they're not native here, so you wonder, geez, are they adaptable enough to live in this crazy climate where you know temperatures today could be eighty, mm-hmm. or it could be minus fourteen? Exactly, and we're obviously going to have some cold winter yet to come. We think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> supposedly. Uh, so there, you know, some of that foliage, the tips might get singed a little bit, mm-hmm. but. You know, the, the important part of the plant is still well below ground. And it has to have a certain amount of cooling, uh, cool temperatures in the soil before they can actually send up a flower bud and bloom. And that hasn't happened yet. I guess I should ask her what kind of narcissus they were. Yellow ones, I'll bet you. <laughs> <laughs> there are other colors, but I, I, I have to say that as interesting as they are, the yellow ones are still my favorite. Oh, yes, definitely. And the, and the only one that I can think of right now, and there are hundreds, literally hundreds of varieties, is King Alfred. <laughs> well, that's the oldest one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's been around for a bazillion years. But, uh, and it's a good one. Mm-hmm. But if you like those big yellow trumpet daffodils, you know, 
Carlton is a good one. Unsurpassable is a, a really nice one. There's a there's a number of good yeah. big yellow trumpets, and they have that really distinctive fragrance. Mm-hmm. And but I tell you what, there's nothing else in the world that smells like a daffodil in spring. Nothing. No, I don't think I think you're right. Boy, you stick your nose in there, and it just takes me back to my childhood. Yeah. I like the big ones, and I also like the really tiny ones. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Taffeta? Is that the name of one Tet-a-tet? of them? tet tet That's the one yeah. I was trying to think of. These are guys who are, what, three or four inches tall? They're very short, and they're very early. And very early, and tiny flowers. But for all uh, in all aspects, they look exactly like the big ones, but they're in miniature. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the daffodils are able to naturalize here. And by naturalizing, I mean spread. Yeah. And multiply, become big clumps. Uh, but the key is <clears throat> making sure that they have sun when they have foliage, and the rest of the year doesn't matter. They like do like moisture though. And there are places back east, and I've never been there at the right time. Uh, some of the botanic gardens have them, especially the botanic gardens that you drive into, mm-hmm. not park outside them, but drive into these winding driveways. And for miles, it's nothing but daffodils in the yeah. spring. Every year they plant like 10,000 daffodils, uh-huh. increasing them. And those are naturalized because they don't water any of that. Yeah. But you also need to leave that foliage yeah. up after they bloom. Don't go cutting it down. Leave it up to ripen on its own because that's what helps rebuild the bulb for the next year's show. And if you cut it right after it ter- after they bloom, if you cut them all <coughs> down, uh, that really damages them. Yeah, it does. And it <coughs> shortens their lifespan in the ground and their ability to flower. So don't do it. Yeah. Don't braid them. Put beads in them. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody's doing that anymore, are they? I don't know. I saw Martha <coughs> Stewart do that once. And I think, crazy yeah. woman. And then some people tie them into knots. Yeah. Don't do that. Do that. No, don't do that either. I know it's not the prettiest thing until they ripen and turn yellow. And then when they do turn yellow, cut them off. Don't pull them. No, don't pull them off. That can damage the flower bulb down below ground. So cut them off at ground level once the foliage turns yellow. And that's, that's, uh, that's all you have to do, really. And they'll be fine. Yeah, once they go to yellow, you can run your lawnmower over them. I always plant mine toward the back of the border because they come up and bloom before anything else, any of the perennials, have done much of anything. And, and so that once they have finished blooming and that foliage is there and then the perennials start growing and they hide that, that ugly daffodil foliage and I don't have to worry about it. I don't, have to, I don't even go and pull, I don't even cut it off later. I just let it lay and it becomes part of the mulch. Practically disappears. Yeah. All right, uh, back to the phones. We have Steve in Denver waiting to talk to us. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? <clears throat> okay. We're just doing great. What's going on with you? Hey, I got an ash tree out front, and I, I just love it dearly. I noticed last year it's standing out at the top, and it's not the foliage at the top. is not full, but at the bottom it is. And also, I noticed a lot of dead twigs around, around it. And also, guys, I I treat it once a year with that green liquid Bayer's stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And also, I noticed it's, it's facing 
you know, the south side from the sun, the bark is kind of peeled off a little bit going up. And my tree is, I think, eight or nine inches, you know, round. And I think I planted it in, it's about 15 years old or 14 years old. Okay, sounds like it has some sun scald on that south side. That's an environmental problem. It's not a disease or an insect or anything. And at this point, all you can really do is to remove the loose bark carefully so you don't damage any of the new wood that's being developed. Um, and you probably want to wrap the tree. Uh, and the, the general rule of thumb is to put the tree wrap on at right around this time of year, Thanksgiving-ish, and then take it off at Easter. What's causing the, the thinning and, and the dead twigs and stuff going out? The well, I was going to, I was going to ask you uh, how you're watering this tree. Well, it gets good water. I make sure I get water on it. And how are, how is it being watered? Well, I got a sprinkler system that goes off every every day. On it, you know, in that area, in that one zone, it goes off every day for about ten minutes, twelve minutes. You know, it waters the grass. I got a strip of grass right there too, and it waters that. And and then guys, it, off and on, I carry buckets of water out in the winter time and kind of dump around it and stuff. Not not faithfully, but off and on I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, t- ten know, minutes ten minutes doesn't put down much water. It'll probably keep the grass green, but certainly not enough to maintain a tree. Um, so I would be concerned about that because th- that tree is going to have roots a foot or more deep and 10 minutes of water with a sprinkler system might get an inch or two deep so it's it's probably not getting nearly enough water and then with the sun scald that has damaged some of the connection from the roots to the top that would also explain to me why part of the tree is having a little trouble struggling to leaf out and look nice and full but if you can at least once a week increase that that watering time in the summertime um, to something more like an hour uh, yes, sir. That that would help the tree a lot. Yeah, do you know what else, guys? Is uh, at the bottom of the tree, stuff, the foliage is coming out pretty nice and stuff. But at the top, you know, it, it's thin, really thin. Yeah, that's typically what uh, dry conditions will do to to those trees. Uh, my neighbor's tree has not; it now has gone through its second, almost completed its second year without ever being watered. And guess what? It's starting to die from the top down. Dead, dead so, limbs all the way at the top, and that'll, con- yeah, that'll continue uh, until he gets out and waters it someday. Oh, good. So, so he has hope for his tree, then, right? I don't know that he has any hope at all. On my tree, I'm <laughs> not convinced he even cares. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm man. I love my tree. But, you know, here a few years ago that. Denver and Boulder. Boulder was getting hit with that disease and stuff, and they cut a lot of their trees down, ash trees, and then Denver yep. has cut a bunch of their ash trees down. But I heard since then that that thread is over, getting over with. Or no, if I'm right or not. Now it's 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 going to be with us. Um, the people who are in charge of keeping track of this and treating trees and so forth, they have officially given up. Yes, sir. They're no longer tracking it. I don't know that they're treating trees anymore. Uh, of course, they're cutting them down when the trees are finally affected because they're going to die anyway. And some of them are prophylactically are cutting them down, even healthy trees down, because they know they're going to go. 
So they might as well get might as well get a head start on planting something new. Yeah, see, I, I'm I'm still working with my tree and stuff, and have hope for my tree and stuff because I was really disappointed that when I looked looked at it this spring and, and summer that the top was not filled out that good. Yeah, just like he said, just keep it well watered. And this summer we had a you know nasty dry summer um, and high temperatures. Our, our our lawns alone, the grass that you're you're currently watering or we're losing up to two inches of moisture a week and 10 10 minutes a day of watering is won't make up for that not won't give any get anywhere close to that yes wow you know something else i just got back in town and i want to put a a a fall winter fertilizer on i just bought it at home depot and it's, it's not late to put that on because i think we got some moisture coming in next sunday is what i heard yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> if you want to believe that <laughs> yeah yeah if you can go and put fertilizer down now i would go ahead and artificially water in other words turn your well you don't hear your irrigation system's not on if, if you can drag hoses out there go ahead and water right after you fertilize that's exactly what i'll do yeah yes that's exactly and, and don't doing. yeah really don't count on getting moisture um, I, I've made the realization sometime this year that we, we would be better off as gardeners if we actually believed that we didn't get any moisture at all, ever, and had to supply all the moisture plants needed uh, through a hose or irrigation system. Right. We'd be better off. One more question, guys. My flower bed, the perimeter of my front yard, things like that out front, I got a buddy maybe a 16 inch flower bed all the way around it and things should i blow you know clean the leaves out or is that like a insulation or wait till spring to clean that out or you know i there there are a number of different ideas on that i if it's in the front yard and and you're finding that um it looks a little messy uh then i would go ahead and clean it up uh, you know, a rough clean. I wouldn't be, you know, pristine like you would in spring. Um, but if it's in the backyard, I leave it all. I just leave it all there. I don't do a thing with it. I don't even rake the leaves. I just let it set. In the front yard, I, I make it look a little more tidy just because that's the way the neighborhood would like to see it. Um, right. But it's really not necessary. Yeah, I do blow it out with a weed blower now. But like you say, pristine and stuff. I wait till spring to do that. But I, I understand. But I, yeah. All right, guys. Well, yeah, you do keep in mind that if you're ever out in the woods anywhere, uh, don't look around for anybody raking leaves or needles. It never happens. Has never happened. And will never happen. That's right. right. Wow. And, and the, you know, the trees and shrubs and flowers, they do just fine. Thank you. Yes, sir. Well, guys, thanks a lot for helping me. You out. bet. I like the show and I love it. And I, I, you guys are doing a great job. Well, thank you, Steve. We appreciate the call. Okay, guys. Have a nice Thanksgiving and what's left, and then Merry Christmas to y'all. All right, you too. You as too, well. Steve. So I was going to make a comment about he was putting down some fertilizer for the winter on his turf, a winterizer. It it really isn't too late because we're warm enough. They're going to continue growing this next week. At yeah. Least. Um, the one thing though, I don't. I, I wanted to point out was do not wait for Mother Nature to send the moisture to water it in. Most of the fertilizer that's put out anymore is kind of on a lightweight carrier, and that can blow in the wind. Yeah. And we get a lot of wind this time of year. 
And if if you want the fertilizer to do its job where you put it down, water it right away. Just get out there with, even if you have to hand water, just to get it down into the turf where it's not going to blow. Uh, that's that's the best thing you can do because you, know, you just can't count on Mother Nature, especially a week out. It'll change the next 24 hours. So yeah. there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is dusty out there. Yeah, and, it's, and the fertilizer is not going to do you any good sitting dry on top of the turf anyway. No, that's true. I mean, if you're putting it down, you want to benefit the turf. You've got to water it in and get it down to the root system. Um, and, if, and if you want to think the weather forecaster is, is going to be reliable a week out. No. <laughs> i got a bridge in, in Brooklyn I want to sell you. Yeah, really. <laughs> Hey, I forgot to give out our Garden Wise Wise advice at the top of the hour. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You've seen the warning, don't try this at home. Mm -hmm. You know what it actually means is don't try this ever. Or when anybody's watching. That's right. That's what it really means. Don't ever try it. Don't ever try it. At home or otherwise. I hadn't thought about that quite that way, but that makes more sense. That's what they should have on there. Right. Don't, don't ever try this. Under penalty of death. Although we're going to do it and show you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that makes no sense. Yeah. Hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, we want to take a break. I don't know. Is Sean ready? Can he handle that? All right. It looks like he's capable. So we're going to have him do a little break here. We'll be back quickly with who's on the line. Well, Sean is on the line, too. Oh, we got Sean's everywhere. Uh, we'll be back real quick right here on Legends 810. As a gardener, you already know that happy, healthy roots translate to happy, healthy plants. Unfortunately, not all potting mixes are created equal. And without a good soil environment for healthy root growth, your houseplants, herbs, and other potted plants are sentenced to a life of hard labor or worse. That's why all gardeners need to know about Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix. The choice of professional nursery and greenhouse growers, a long-lasting all-purpose performer, Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix has everything necessary your plants need to thrive, including slow-release humates to promote healthy roots and vibrant, vigorous plants. When you want to know which product works best, find out what the experts use. Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix. Your plants will love you for it. Ask for Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix by name at your favorite independent garden center. Jared's Garden Center. Tagawa Gardens, Wilmore Nursery, and Nick's Garden Center. Be sure and tell them the Garden Wise Guys sent you. Is all this mild weather making it feel like the holidays can't possibly be just around the corner? Well, they are. So come give your holiday spirit a nudge at Tagawa Gardens. This is Luann Aiken, Tagawa's Garden Ambassador. Tagawa's is loaded with holiday spirit. Just step inside our indoor Christmas tree lot, breathe in that sweet pine fragrance, and find the perfect tree for your home or office. We'll have more than a thousand trees to choose from, all with fresh cuts and displayed in water. Once you've picked out just the right tree, we'll give it another fresh cut and bag it for the trip home. Our fresh greens and wreaths are in two. And next weekend, Friday through Sunday, is Tagawa's annual Shop Small Shop Local Sale. That's right, a sale before the holidays. 
Almost everything in stock, including most items in our gift shop and our Christmas trees, will be 20% off those three days only, next Thursday through next Sunday. Also next weekend, you can visit with local therapy and rescue animals as you shop for your Christmas trees. And it's a Colorado art show and sale. Fine artists offering many one-of-a-kind works that will make excellent gifts. So come in for a big dose of holiday spirit at Tagawa's. We are your garden store and so much more. And we are back on Legends 810, taking your phone calls, Jim Borland and Keith Funk, the Garden Wise Guys. And our phone number is? It is 303-477-2473. We've got open lines right now, and we're going to go talk to Sean in Denver about Columbine. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You betcha. So I was wondering, I've got... uh couple thousand columbine seeds i want to plant on a commercial property and i've seen online a process of preparing the seeds by putting them in the freezer for a couple months and i'm wondering if i could just put them in the ground now since they're our seed flower whether they'll handle the winter and just prepare themselves naturally um putting that seed in the freezer i've seen that more than once is absolutely worthless when you think about it you got dry seed in, a, in an environment that nothing can grow at. So nothing happens. Now, if you want to save the seed, store the seed, freezing is a perfect thing to do. But it doesn't help it germinate. And now, okay. to answer your other question, yes, you can put them outside right now uh, in, in, your, in the location you want them to grow and keep them moist over the winter, and they should all germinate next spring. Okay, awesome. Thank you. You I bet. have one more question. If time. Um, I have two grapevines in my backyard. One's five years old, one's three years old. Uh, last year, they both uh, gave me grapes. Um, they were, uh, that was the first time for the three-year-old one that I got grapes out of it. But this year, this summer, um, I barely got any growth at all. I had a lot of bleeding in the spring, lots of uh, moisture in the ground. Um, and then it, it started to look like it was going to grow, and it just stopped and never did anything the whole summer. Um, do you Wh- think they're dead? What do you mean never did anything? It didn't grow any leaves at all? Maybe uh, five leaves total. No, uh, no grapes and no real vines, just tiny little sprouts. Uh, I saw some budding in the beginning. Like It looked like it was going to vine all over. But it, it never turned into anything except maybe five leaves on each one. And and both vines are doing this? Yes. Both grapes? Yes. Do you know what varieties they are? Um, they're seedless. They're purple. Um, I'm not sure beyond that. And where did you get these grapes? I got them at Elliott Gardens. Okay. Interesting. Um, well, that that kind of response tells me there was some kind of damage done to the to the plants, whether it's from cold or drought or whatever it is. Um, something has damaged the plant and caused them to react this way. Uh, I can't tell you whether they're dead or not. Uh, the only way you're going to know is ne- next spring when they leaf out, um, if they leaf out. But uh, Something really damaged them badly to, to make them react that way. Yeah, I can't I think. think we had a late, 
late frost, you know, in the late spring this year. Could that have done it? I don't recall a late frost in the spring this year. No, it was a, it was a, a, a fairly good grape-growing year, so which means that the frost didn't take out the blossoms, as it often does. Oh. Um, I can't think of anything else. Uh, I would okay. sure like to have seen the plants when they went in. Do you know if they had lots and lots of roots on them? And, and were they, um, were they Not in- a ton, but, you know, after a few years, I feel like they ought to be pretty well established. Oh, yeah. And they, did you apply right, anything? So or did you, did you apply anything around the grapes, like fertilizer, or did you spray, uh, let's say, weeds around the the plants? Um, so they grow in my garden, and I put some natural fertilizer. I dump my coffee grinds in my garden pretty regularly, yeah. uh, and uh, and I have some pretty rich soil. I, I add new soil, new nutrient dense soil every year. Um, that's about it. Boy, we're at a, we're at a loss because normally, once grapes have been in the ground for a few years, they're usually pretty darn durable. Okay. Yeah, um, I, so I assuming they're on the brink of death, like maybe they are. Um, is there anything I can do this winter to uh, help them not completely die? No, we would we would really need to know why they are why they haven't performed up to snuff. Uh, this is why we were asking you questions about the history of the plant. Um, okay. And, if, you know, if I, whew, I'd like to be, I'd like to have been there uh, this past spring and just observed them and find out what you did or didn't do around the plants during the, during the summer or spring. Or it could be just a, a variety that's not well adapted to this climate. Because we did have some, Really goofy, um, a couple of fall, early, really early fall hard freezes and uh, a couple of really hard April freezes a, a couple of years ago. But this last spring was almost perfect. We had wonderful moisture. We had no frost to speak of. The, all the fruit trees were just laden with fruit this year, which would tell huh. me that so would the grapes. Um, so I'm... I'm Whatever happened happened before this spring. And, okay. And uh, what yeah. about a Japanese beetle infestation? Would that kill them? Because I know we've had a ton of Japanese. Well, beetles. did did you see lots of beetles on the on the vines? Yeah, and now I'm wondering. I wonder if the the products I used to battle them last fall uh, messed them up for the spring. What did you use? Um. It was something pretty natural. It was some sort of oil. Um, gosh, I can't recall. Well, if you applied the oil in the fall, that wouldn't affect the Japanese beetles for the following year. Okay. Um, I just thought maybe they're deep in the ground and they're messing up the roots because they heard they, they infiltrate the soil. They do. The yeah, the grubs yeah. do. They, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, they, and oil won't even touch that so no okay. it, it i'm beginning to believe that something has been applied to the soil or to the plants that that's causing this problem because like I said like he said after a couple of years these are pretty sturdy healthy plants and they should uh, they really shouldn't require anything but occasional watering no fertil- that, no yeah. fertilizer 
uh, nothing. Um, yeah, Japanese beetles can devastate them, but you would have seen them, I think, on the on the plants. Well, I did, and I battled. I've been battling them for like three years now. Sure. And, uh, I, I, you know, but I don't do anything to treat the soil for the grubs. Yeah, I, I don't know that Japanese beetles feed on grapevine roots anyway. They do okay. with they do with grass. So right. I, yeah, I don't think that's the that that was the problem. In terms of what do you do now, I would whatever you've been applying, don't. And make sure they're well watered through the winter, and yep. that'll help as well. And and hopefully, in the spring, um, something is going to green up. Uh, more than likely, it'll come from the base, and uh, then you can remove any dead growth above that, and hopefully reinvigorate the plant and regrow them essentially from scratch. But uh, the the new growth, if they're if they're very badly damaged, the new growth will come from the base. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. thank you very much. I yeah. appreciate your time. That's you the be bet. best we can do from uh, this distance from, from the plants. Yeah. That's a tough one. I mean, norm like I said, it, it could be just varieties that aren't adapted to this climate. Yeah, but, you know, you mentioned they got them from a, a reputable nursery here. Yeah. So. Generally, if you got it from a nursery, they select grapevines and other, and other plants that they know are reliably hardy here. Exactly. Now, there are plenty of grapes in this country that are not hardy here, and, and those can be bought and brought in here, but typically conscientious garden centers won't do that. Correct. Exactly. And we all like to think they're all conscientious. So. Yeah. I mean, I could order grapevines from any place in the country um, thinking that they're all hardy here. Well, that's not true. And they might be cold hardy, but they might not be adapted to our climate. Yeah. Or soil. Yeah. So I'm 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 not going to bother trying to grow muscadines. Oh well, I wouldn't <laughs> anyway, even if we could. Man, those uh, are nasty. Yeah, I got to try those sometime before I die. <clears throat> My they, wife likes them. They, I, I can't stand them. They did they grow where where you grew up uh, in in Kansas? I suppose they would. I I came across them with my wife's family in Tennessee. Well, should you ever go back there at the right time of year and they're available, bring some back. I gotta taste them, <laughs> so I too can hate them. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's see where are we at with time here. Go, oh, we're doing good. Let's go out and talk to Pat in Arvada. Good morning, Pat. Hi, I just called back to tell you guys I'm back at the propagating thing again. All right. This time, I did a little different. I've always used, for the propagation, I've always used outside soil for potting outside. And I think that may have been a major problem, mm -hmm. especially with the sun plants. And this year, I thought, oh, I've got soil from going and getting a truckload full. And truthfully, I really should have looked uh, at the quality of the soil because it's virtually had too much sand in it, and uh, so I used it and propagated her, um, did a whole bunch of pots, and when all of a sudden I looked at my coleus and realized they weren't draining, I thought, oh no, this, this is not going to be good, so I had to pull every single one of those plants I had done out. I went to Ector's, and I got the inside potting soil. Exactly. And uh, I didn't realize that before, but man, now um, I think that might have been had a direct um, result as to not having gnats. For one thing, I did sterilize my soil, 
Um, but I think because I had to throw that old soil out, whatever was started, gnat-wise, was being tossed. So I think that might have helped with that. Uh, Pat, you have learned a valuable lesson. Oh, why you should never, ever use garden soil in a container. And one of the key characteristics that you've already found out, it doesn't drain. Even though it drains very well in your garden. But yeah. when you put a small amount in a pot, you've changed the physical characteristics all together. And one of the major ones, like you said, it doesn't drain well. Which oh. means there's not that much oxygen in the soil because it's filled with water. And things get to stay too wet too long. There's not enough oxygen. Yep. And then fungus nets start to be a problem yep. because roots are dying and the fungus gnat larvae feed on rotting organic matter in the soil. And this is why we always, you'll hear it again and again and again. What soil should I use? And we always tell people, use a potting soil, not your garden soil. I don't care how good your garden soil is. You put it in a pot, the physics changes all together. When you guys say potting soil, see, I wouldn't have differentiated between the outside potting soil. I didn't know there was an inside potting soil. Well, when you say outside potting soil, what are you referring to? Well, any of that stuff you, you get at Home Depot. That no. It just says potting soil. Well, you know, there's various qualities of potting soil. Some, some are good quality and some are just simply garbage. Right. And I wouldn't wait for a miracle if you get my drift. Yeah, man. I, I know that's really important. I just thought that, well, that's, you know, potting soil, so I'll use it. But now, right now, and I've probably only been at this six weeks, my, um, I did lose some sun patient, uh, which last year, if you remember, I planted up 80 yeah. 90 of them. Yep. Well, I lost everything. Um, and now um, I only did 40, but... Uh, they actually have some nice top growth on them. What did you buy? Um, oh, uh, for the inside potting soil? Yes. Oh, that's Ectors. Oh, they're, they're a house brand? Yeah, the, yeah, the inside house plant. Yes, that's an excellent one. We usually recommend the Fertilome Ultimate Potting Soil. And then for starting seeds and um, seeds and cuttings, we usually recommend their seed starting and seed and cutting mix. Uh, so either one of those, but I, I always use the Fertilome Ultimate Potting Soil. That's the only one I use anymore. Well, no wonder I was having so many problems. Plus, I didn't um, rotate my coleus last year according to the light as much as I should have. And when I went to take them outside, they were faded on some sides, and I learned to start doing that. Yeah, yep. So... Yeah, so then I, I decided to go ahead and try vines this year, and I do have a um, uh, sweet potato vine. I've got four of those. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if, like you guys said, which makes sense, you take one pot of maybe um, the vine, whichever you choose, and you just wait to propagate it until after the first of the year, what month would you start propagating your new one? It depends on what plant we're talking about. Coleus grow very, very fast, so you could wait until March or sometime to even start those. Oh, I've probably got 20 of them down there. Uh-huh. I made that mistake last year. I've got six this year. Oh, so just do... 
Yeah, just do a couple. Those become your stock, what we call stock plants. And then next March, April, what have you, uh, you take cuttings off of those plants. Now, you can, you can take the individual plants you have now and put three or four into an 8-inch pot right now and encourage that to grow up into a large stock plant. That'll save you some space, and it'll also give you lots of cuttings later on. Wow, and I didn't think of that with coleus, so uh, yeah. Well, then when, what month would you actually start uh, taking those cuttings? And probably in March is what I'm, what I'm aiming for. It will be mo- the first part of March or so. Oh, even that late? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, they, they root very quickly and grow pretty fast. Well, when you guys said I was going to learn a few things, and I kind of resisted that. It's like, oh, no. Well, uh, yeah, you were Yeah, that's what we're here for. I closed the door to my marigolds, what I planned April 1st, and the room got too cold. I'll be doggone if I could get those things to grow up, but I didn't know why. But it was too chilly in that room, and you just learn these things as you go. But I'll always go over to Ector's and get that inside potting soil for these because— Oh, yeah. And you can use that same potting soil in your outdoor planters as well, outdoor patio pots and hanging baskets and so forth. Oh, and there was another thing I wanted to mention on YouTube that I thought was um, kind of impressive for gnats was um, it's uh, raid fly sticks, and people are raving about those things. Um, oh, for the, to catch the fungus gnats? Yeah. Yeah, any any sticky uh, material fly fly strips work. I use yellow sticky strips, sticky cards. And uh, cuz they typically are attracted to the color yellow. The adult is. And so if you start catching those adults on those sticky traps, they can't breed and lay more eggs in the soil. Right. And and I've got uh I, I tell you this time I was determined not to get those or to make them, you know, get them to a minimum, but uh Every single one of my plants has one or two of those sticky traps in them, Yeah, those yellow ones. It'll make a big difference. And I think they must put a, a tract into something on there because I tried making my own, and that didn't work. Zero. Hmm. What did you use? I used uh, Vaseline um, uh-huh. with yellow paper. Yeah. And it didn't catch one of them, not one. Isn't that interesting? So I don't know Yeah, why. I'm not sure. Sure, that Vaseline, I think it, it tends to, uh, the surface of it tends to dry just a little bit, making it less sticky. What works, what has worked for a lot of people, which just use, and this may sound strange, is motor oil. Oh. And, you know, really? just brush it on, yeah. Wow, huh. Well, I've got them down there. It looks like a yellow stick city down there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, there is so many. I was so determined. They were all the way through the house. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind having some of those raid sticks. I guess they come from Home Depot and Walmart that you can get them. Yep, there's, you can get them all over the place. Um, I'd, also, I'd also just revisit your watering practices because normally um, a really infest a bad infestation of fungus gnats typically is an indication that things are staying wet too long. Yeah, I could have done that too. Probably back when you had that other soil. What's that? Probably back when you had that other soil before you repotted things. Definitely. Yeah. So let things get on the dry side. I, I typically will let my coleus start to wilt before I water them. And... They don't seem to mind that a bit. 
I guess I need to lighten up on the water a little bit. So. Okay, well, that's uh, pretty much uh, what I wanted to report, but I might be doing better with those sun patients this year. I hope I am. Good. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see how it goes, and um, hopefully lots of, lots of plants by April. Well, yeah, give, keep us uh, keep us informed. I will. All right, Pat. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> bye bye. Here's a little bit of advice for watering plants in pots. In the winter time, things don't dry out as fast as they did in the summertime. And if you're wondering whether a particular plant should be watered in the winter time, should I water today or not? In the winter, opt for not watering it. Mm-hmm. In the summertime. Do water it. And you'll save yourself a lot of trouble, I think, and headaches with fungus gnats. Yeah, I I tend to grow on the dry side. I mean, when you do water, water thoroughly so a good bit of water comes out the bottom of the pot. But um, And then and, and that's discarded. You don't let the plant sit in that. But uh, then I'll let them get pretty dry. Like I said, the coleus will wilt. Many of my other plants will wilt. I, I went down the other day. I have a bunch of Rex begonias, which are very succulent plants. I mean, mm-hmm. lots of water in, the, in their tissues and, and uh, big tropical colorful leaves and that sort of thing. And they were wilted down. I mean, the, the leaves were on the, f- on the table. I mean, they'd, they'd wilted so badly, they wilted down past the top of the pot. And uh, you water them real good and... In an hour, they were back up, yep. looked just fine. But it, it's, I think it's much better. It always works for me to, to um, opt on the side of letting them get a little drier yep. between waterings rather than keeping them too wet. And you'll find that your fungus gnat problem is much reduced. Yes, indeed. It's time for take, taking a little break on this end of the, of the show. So we're going to do that, and uh, Sean's going to do whatever he does, his magic. And we'll be back really quick right here on Legends 810. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden on West Bulls Avenue in Littleton now has fresh-cut Christmas trees along with locally grown poinsettias, which will arrive a few days before Thanksgiving. Thankfully, we didn't have an Arctic blast this year, enabling your plants to shut down in a sensible fashion, which means less stress on your landscape this winter. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't think about what your garden needs to ensure a healthy future. Fall fertilization is probably the most important one of the year, so consider applying now before the snow that will come any day. The elves at Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden are now working feverishly to get the greenhouse and gift store ready for Christmas. Plan to stop by during their holiday open house Friday, November 19th through Sunday, November 21st, when everything should be on display. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden Center is a family-owned business serving you for 42 years at 10500 West Bulls Avenue in Littleton. Open 9 to 5 every day. They look forward to seeing you soon. Call into the Fix-It Show with your questions about your home, Saturday morning at 9.30. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It Show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It Show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. And we are back. We're taking your phone calls on Legends 810 at the following number, 
303-477-2473. Hey, you got to check out our Facebook page. I put a bunch of new things up there. Uh, if you want to see rhododendrons, good-sized ones, growing here in Colorado. I, pushed, I put up a picture there. These were growing outside in um, at the Broadmoor Hotel down in Colorado Springs. Interesting, and I think it's been around longer than, than just this time. There's an interesting poinsettia called Christmas Mouse. And the leaves look like Mickey Mouse leaves. They're kind of rounded, which is kind of interesting. And I also put up what uh, Keith has been calling a, our unicorn poinsettia. This is a poinsettia that has been dribbled with all kinds of paint colors. And if you're not a big fan of that, uh, you can just pass over that. You don't have to pay any attention to that. Um, I typically will put up occasionally some new tropical hibiscus. I don't put up every one that's being that I can run across because our our Facebook page would have nothing but tropical new tropical hibiscus flowers. But it's just remarkable what they're doing with those things. Just incredible. Um, a picture of my Shepherdia utahensis. Again, I gathered a lot of in, a lot of interest when I posted that up there. This is a a shrub. Uh, mine is only about four and a half, five feet tall right now. It is silver. I don't mean I don't. I'm not saying silvery. It is silver, as if it's made from silver metal. Man, it's a pretty looking thing. And you might be able to find that uh, in a couple, and this year coming up or the following year. Somebody I know in Utah is uh, manufacturing this plant. <laughs> I hope by the thousands because it is a worthwhile plant in the landscape. I'm sorry, I missed that. What were you talking That's about? That's Shepardia utahensis. Oh. It's my yeah. silver, silver plant. Not silvery. No. It's silver. It is. Yeah, you could you could actually take leaves off and spend it, <laughs> and put it in slot machines and stuff. And no. Keith had posted something called ZZ Raven. Yes, it's a variegated. Is that right? No, it's remember burgundy. That burgundy. A, burg a dark leafed, burgundy leafed. Yeah. ZZ plant. ZZ plant. Don't ask us to tell you what that ZZ stands for. It's a, it's a long, complicated name. ZZ. <laughs> something. Oh, Ziz is something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Zizi Raven. Uh, and, and almost every almost every office building in in, in yes. entire city of, of Colorado has got some of these in the lobby somewhere. And you know what surprises me is they are so popular and everybody has them by the bazillion to sell. Yeah. Why they're so expensive? I don't get it. I, I, I'm not sure either. I, f I figured, you know, they were expensive early on because they were kind yeah. of difficult to find and, and now rare. And this, now this, this raven, this purple, this burgundy one's going to be like, it's going to be a couple thousand dollars per plant or something. <laughs> it wasn't any more expensive <laughs> than the green ones, which I was well, surprised well, it, to see. It shouldn't be. But it shouldn't. You, be. you know how yeah. these things go. And you put one up there that in, looks interesting, the floral berry. A St. John's wort. Oh, those which, hypericums, yes. yes. Which which are, in my opinion, are not grown here very much at all. And they're perfectly hardy here. Yeah. Um, hypericum, St. John's wort, beautiful yellow flowers on a shrubby plant. But what I like about this floral berry is they come in different, they, they set berries then, mm -hmm. and different colors depending on the variety. Yep. And uh, they're very long-lasting and used in floral arrangements. You'll see them at florists now and and so forth to, to mix in with flowers because they are so bright and colorful. 
They are indeed. And they'd look great in the landscape. So go out and buy some. Grow them. You know, if we can find them. <laughs> Good. Yeah, they're not that, that available. It's just not a, a plant that people know about or in certain, and then very, therefore don't buy. Uh, also pictures on there of uh, my cutting back my my canna musifolia. These are, everybody knows what cannas are, I'm sure. But musifolia canna is one that gets eight and nine feet tall. And mine has the burgundy leaves on it with uh, fire engine red flowers at the very top. And come uh, fall, I can't take the whole plant into my house. Our ceilings are not tall enough even <laughs> for the plant, let alone not enough light. So they have to be cut back, and I, and I showed you what I did to cut them back, which is pretty easy. You just cut them right down to the top of the soil. You know what's interesting as I cut mine back like that, as well as some of the other varieties of cannas I have, I cut mm -hmm. them to the soil surface, scraped all the old detritus out yep. before I brought them in. And of course, they're putting up a few shoots here and there yep. with aphids on them. Yes. Where did they come from? Where did they come from? Yep. I, one of mine had a, what I assume was a few little specks of mealybug. Hmm. I don't know where they came from. I sprayed them down really good. Well, and you cut them, them down, too. So. And cut them down, get rid of whatever bugs might have been on them. There shouldn't have been any bugs left, but apparently <laughs> they're down in that, in that yeah. base area. Yep. And uh, so, again, cut, I cut them down. I didn't spray them. I just cut them down. And, and then I took those cut leaves out to the outside trash where they'll freeze. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to put them in a trash can in the house. No. Because no, they can they continue to live. Yeah, and mine went out in the compost pile. Mm-hmm. And they're, in fact, I know, they're mush now. Yeah. So whatever but bug was on there, they're gone. It's an, uh, this is a very important time of year for plants that you brought in from outside. Check them over carefully. Yeah. On, on practically a weekly basis. Because you want to catch any kind of insect infestation um, early and, and much easier to and deal with. should you find some, we're going to get some nice warm temperatures during this week, during the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. That's the time to take them out and spray them down and let them dry off before you bring them back in that night, but that not, evening. But not in the sun. No. Do this in a shady spot or in the garage or someplace, but not in the full sun. They'll burn. And I like plants like my um, coleus that I bring in as cuttings, they are notorious for whitefly. <coughs> Geranium is the same way. Yep. And so I'm checking them weekly, and one of the ways I do it is I just I, I bang on the, the leaves. Mm -hmm, I just mm -hmm. brush my hands over the leaves, and if I see any white dandruff fly up. <laughs> That's it. You got them. Then you got white flies. So far, so good. Yeah. I'm, I'm very pleased with my ability to bring in clean cuttings, but you just never know. All it takes is a couple. And only takes one aphid. Only takes one aphid. You're exactly right. And I don't think it takes even a full spider mite. <laughs> I think all you need is a leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> well, let's get out and talk to Irma uh, and see what's going on with her today. Good morning, Irma. Uh, good morning. Uh, I have two what I call Christmas cactuses. They're the old-fashioned uh, grandmother-type uh, cactus. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Okay. Uh, usually by this time of the year, I'm getting blooms. I do not even have a single bud. My sister back in Maryland, her cactuses are in full bloom. Now, mine set in the north window. Uh -huh. Yes. 
Is and it? hers are in the south, but I don't have a south window. Well, mine bloom in a north window as well, but they have... Do you, is it in a room that you have the light on during the night in the evening? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's going to hold them back. They need a short day, which means 10 hours of sun, 10 hours of light or less. And if, if they're getting lights turned on in the evening, they're getting a long day, and that's going to inhibit them from flowering. But they always have bloomed. And they've always well, been in the same place? Huh? They've always okay. been in the same place? Well, one last year was sitting in the east window, and it did not have a single bloom on it. And it's a, it's a big plant. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, after it didn't bloom, I've moved it into the area. Now, they're not sitting right in. It's a bay window, but they're too big <coughs> to sit, you know, on the ledge of the bay window. Uh-huh. So they're sitting in front. But the other one, the one that's been there for years, has always bloomed. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's and now, strange. Look, both of them, nothing. What's going on, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Something's changed from last year that you may not have, are, may not be aware of. I'm just wondering whether we, since we had such a warm fall so far, that 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 yeah. area has not cooled down in that window bay. That's another way. That's, that's another, another way one. to get them to flower is cool temperatures, and we've had very warm fall. That could. I'm just guessing here. I'm just talking out of the top of my head. Um, as to what could possibly be causing them to do that, but typically, they, you know, they'll they'll flower with cool temperatures and short days, and if if any of that is missing, then you're not going to get any flowers or few of them. Well, they're in the living room, and the temperature in there is about 71. Uh, yeah, that's a little warm for them to actually bloom well. But they've always bloomed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when was the last time we had a, a fall that was this warm? And near a window, it's going to be cooler than the rest of the house. But there is a heat duct right under the window. Is that's, there really? That's something else that's <laughs> going to deter them from blooming. Now, well, regardless of what they did in the past, so that I can't account for. That would be the real question is why they bloomed in the past. Yeah. Not, not why they're not blooming now. Because we, we just named a number of things that will deter them from blooming. And see, none of them are work in this case because they've all that one has always bloomed in the past yeah. and the one that i had in the east window has always had blooms also but not not a full bloom you know like the one in the north window well let's hope but that I they're let's hope that they're going to come do you ha do you have a window in another room in the house where you could put them in and not turn the lights on at night i have a west window okay uh if if that's It'd be preferable if the west window, and typically west windows are not the cool windows, but if, if indeed that turns out to be a cool window and you can leave the lights off when the sun goes down, you might encourage it still yet to bloom this year. Yeah, there's still plenty of time for them to bloom. It just probably yeah. won't happen for Christmas. Right. <laughs> well, th these plants are pretty big. I'm not sure I can even pick yeah, them up. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. problem. Yep. And I thought I had heard or read or something that you should cut, cut out fertilizing them. No. Like, nope. Huh? No, that's, that's an old myth that, that, that's, that's, that, that's finding it really difficult to die. Uh, you should dry them down or not fertilize. No, these are, these are tropical plants. Okay, Irma, we've yeah, got to move on, but I appreciate your call this morning. Well, thanks. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. All right, let's go out and talk to Luann.
Hey there, Lou. Nice to talk to you. Hey, Luann, thank you for calling in. I guess we played an old ad for you today. Can you fill us in on what we should, we're supposed I, to know? I would be happy to fill you in. Thanks for, the, uh, thanks for the letting me bump in here at the last minute. Um, today is uh, our annual Shop Local Shop Small Weekend. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the family-owned stores, which is absolutely what Tagawa is, really want people to celebrate the fact that there are a lot of options short of the mall. Not criticizing the mall. But, you know, if you want something a little different, if you want something you're probably not going to see at the mall, then, you know, feel free to check in with us at Tagawa's. Everything store-wide, with very few exceptions, is going to be 20% off. And that includes Christmas trees, Christmas garland, everything in our gift shop, short of food. We don't discount, um, you know, the pies and such. But it's a great way to get a jump on the holidays at a discount and not have to go to a mall, unless that's your thing. <laughs> And support yeah. the local independent. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. And Tagawa's really values the fact that, uh, you know, pe- people know we're a family-owned garden center, and they really value that. Um, so we're going to have a lot of things going on tomorrow, uh, today and tomorrow, aside from, you know, that 20% discount in addition to it. But we're going to have uh, uh, some music. We're going to have some, uh, what do they call it, stuff you drink at Christmas besides bourbon. Um, what is Wassel? Uh, Wassel. <laughs> Thank you. Wassail. It's been a long time since I've had bourbon, but it does smell good. Anyway, um, so, yeah, we're going to have Wassel. We're going to have music. So there's a lot of activities, and we just want people to know that if you want a very family-feeling kind of, of uh, you know, Saturday start to your holiday shopping, if you haven't done any yet, then Tagawa Gardens will, will be an excellent place to be. I will be there in some sort of festive Christmas garb. Um, it just depends on which one needs less ironing. So I'm be <laughs> as well, meeting and greeting. And we do have um, a really lovely s- supply of fresh greenery. And Julie, one of our garden guru uh, designers from Annuals, will be demonstrating uh, today how to make porch pots out of some of these greens. And it's really a fun thing to do. And I believe, ooh, I have to double check on those hours, but it's basically, um, I think it's like 10 to 3, 11 to 3, right in there, that she'll show you how to do them, and they're very affordable, and it's just a fun thing to do. So I will let you guys go. I know. Thanks. Have a great weekend, my friends. All right. You too, Thank Luan. you for calling, Thank Luan. You, you bet. Bye-bye. And then music indication. By the way, we're trying to think of eggnog. Is that we the were? drink you were trying to think of besides no. wassail? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. With bourbon. Yeah, you put bourbon in eggnog. All right. We have to get out of here and make room for the next show coming up. Thank you for listening and participating. Remember, as always, keep that shovel sharp and be careful where you dibble. And if you missed the show today or you want to hear it again, it'll be on tomorrow, Sunday, from 6 until 8 at night. You won't miss anything. You can memorize it and come back next weekend and, and tell Keith all about it. All right, uh, if you have more garden garden questions, save until next week, and we'll be back right here on Legends 810.